Hartsville, Hartsville, the happening town where art abounds. Hartsville, Hartsville, from Asheville town where art abounds. Hartsville, Hartsville, feeling mountain high and inspired in North Carolina. That's where you'll find us, amazing artists and designers. Oh yeah, Hartsville from Asheville. Hello, folks. Welcome to Artsville, where we celebrate American contemporary arts and crafts from Asheville, North Carolina, and beyond. I'm your host, Louise Glickman, here to introduce you to world-class movers and makers, their art and their craft, and their unique careers in Western North Carolina. So Artsville is different than most other podcasters because we provide an entire program of marketing for our artists, in some cases teach them how to market for themselves, but most of all, how to show, tell, talk about, and sell their work. It's a distinctive blend of programming. It includes our virtual gallery of artists, monthly podcasts, newsletters, and a proven menu of entertaining and enlightening events and educational programs. The good news is we don't deluge your inbox. You'll hear from us once a month. And also to let you know that we don't do this alone. I'd like to mention the good folks at Crew West Studio and Not Real Art in Los Angeles. They also do what we do here in Artsville with programming that serves artists but they do it with a slightly different vibe. We invite you to subscribe to artsvilleusa.com, and that's where you'll hear our news and our stories, our podcasts, events, and discussion groups. And by the way, you'll be invited to some great parties. I also want to mention our sponsor for today, which is Sherry Masters, who is a good friend at Art Connections here in Asheville. If you would like to visit Asheville and go directly to see artists in their studios, then Sherry's the ticket. You can contact her at Art Connections, and she will design a tour specifically for you, the kind of art that you like or want to put in your home or office. So now we want to introduce you and talk about art in small towns in and around the Asheville area. Those of you who have visited here know that there's a fabulous, pretty much urban art scene in Asheville. But what makes us so unique is the hundreds of outstanding crafts and arts people who work near us. And today you're going to be introduced to two of them, very different in terms of what they offer but all in the small town of Bakersfield, North Carolina. Andy Palmer is at In Tandem Gallery. He is also a ceramics artist, but primarily he has a pretty major operation with 120 artists from coast to coast and about 20% from western North Carolina. And across the street, Vicki Essek 
is a Penland area artist. She's a co-owner of MICA, and they have experienced quite a change-up in this past year, and we'll talk about that. We're going to start with you, Vicki, and we're going to talk about your move from Asheville to Penland. You are an amazing textile artist, but you show your work throughout the United States, and it can be found in prominent collections as well as exhibitions. You're 100% employed through your art, and you and your very talented husband, Dan, have built a studio and home there. I'd like to know about your move, and I'd also like to know a little bit about your process. I've never seen anything quite like it, and I'm very proud to own several pieces in my own collection. And people ask me all the time, how does this woman see these threads? They're so fine. So we also want to hear about your silkworms. Tell us a little bit about your process and your move and what it means to you as an artist. Uh, Thanks, Louise. Yeah, we moved up to Penland about five years ago. We both had strong connections with the school. We both have taught there, taken classes there. We were actually married at Penland. My work has always been weaving. I work with extremely fine silk threads. Those threads, the silk, has inspired me to work with silkworms, which I started doing about 15 years ago. I coerce or persuade the silkworms to spin flat as opposed to spinning a regular cocoon. And after working with them for many years, my projects now that I do once a year are making garments with these silkworms. Uh, The silkworms make a patterned shape out of their silk, and once those pattern pieces are made, I'll then pin them together and let the silkworms actually stitch the garment together. So I've made a few dresses, a couple of overalls, and the pieces are all done without any scissors or sewing thread at all. You have put your silkworms to work. Absolutely. Well, one of the advantages of being in a smaller community is that there's a community effort behind all this, right? Yeah, absolutely. So in the beginning of the spring months when the mulberry leaves are starting to come out is when the silkworms hatch. And that's when I am in search of mulberry trees. And when I moved up to Penland, I left my mulberry trees in Asheville behind. So I had to put out a call for mulberry leaves. And the community responded amazingly. And I have lists of people that Every May, June, and July, I go to their homes or their farms and collect mulberry leaves in order to feed the silkworms. Also, I have family and friends help me work with them. Even though they are making the garments, they need constant attention, and it's very labor-intensive. Also, I have folks who have taken images for me. Just this past two weeks, I had a renowned photographer take images throughout the Penland community with a model. One of the Penland core students agreed to model for me. Got wonderful pictures, so I can now get those pictures out there so folks can see them. That's really fascinating. I had no idea that when I look at one of your pieces, it was actually made by a silkworm. I think you had something to do with that. <laughs> Andy, let's talk about 
you for just a second. So I was, in fact, coming back from the Penland auction, had not been in Bakersville in a while, and stopped in at In Tandem. And we had a really generous conversation about how you attract buyers digitally. So you are not dependent on people actually coming to your gallery as much as you are people buying from your gallery. As a marketing person myself, I'd like to know more about your digital outreach. I got to attribute that to my wife, Sylvia. She takes photographs of every single piece in the gallery. So there's three images. And she also helped develop our website. So, I mean, we have thousands of pieces and there's five, 6,000 images on the website. And what that does is it just gives you such a much larger audience. So when we started out, probably close to seven years ago or so, we maybe did, that was her model from the very beginning, and we probably did 5 to 10% online sales. And it was people that were following a specific artist and knew what they were looking for. And it would slowly increase, and then COVID happened, and it went from 20% till about 75% all online. And now we're over 80% online. It really is, I think, basically because of consistency and social media marketing. You really don't need to spend much, especially when you have things like Facebook and Instagram and YouTube videos, all that kind of thing. And if you post, I think we try to post twice a day, every day, and it really promotes what we have. And once you get there and you're overwhelmed by the amount and the quality of the artists, you end up coming back. So most of our customers online are actually repeat customers even. Well, I understand that actually you represent about 120 artists from coast to coast. We are particularly interested in this because Artsville and Not Real Art and our Crew West studio in L.A., we are also bi-coastal. You know, we're a little bit different and a lot alike in that we serve artists in our immediate area, in my case, a region that is known for art and craft, but actually it's huge. Western North Carolina is the size of the state of Maryland. So what we do is we talk to people all over the world using social media, and if they can't visit here, they can go directly to our artists. Neither Scott and Not Real Art nor Artsville takes commissions. We want to serve emerging artists and emerging or an accomplished artists who are further along in their career by giving them a leg up. But in your case, where do you find your artists? And if I live in a major city, I know the artists in that city. So is there an educational process to this? Because your artists come from everywhere. I think there is. And I think one of the things is, and it sounds a little bit sketchy, but I think I'm like a ceramic stalker. I'm very myopic. So our gallery has 120 artists. They're all basically functional ceramicists. And that's my background and my interest. Before we started the gallery, I had been in education. So I knew a lot of faculty from coast to coast of different universities. And just from contacting them, and they would give me, hey, you want to check out this grad student, or here's somebody that I'd worked with, et cetera. So I got a lot of contacts that way. 
And so everybody we have in the gallery, pretty much 100% of them I know personally, and they're usually from either first-hand contacts or second-hand contacts. So that's a really nice way to know what their work ethic is, what kind of uh, body of work do they do, are they consistent, are they on time? So all those kind of considerations go into it, because you can be a great artist, and if you can't do things like a regular business person can, it just gets too difficult to deal with, and there's others that are great out there as well. Well, I think what we're talking about is building community as well as building careers. And so here you have two accomplished galleries. They're right across the street from each other on a main street in a small town. How do you help each other or do you not help each other? Do you compete with each other? How does that look? Andy, you start and then by all means, Vicki, chime in here. We kind of took the approach to not bump heads. So Bakersville has, in my opinion, some of the best ceramic artists in the country. When I was at the university, I remember three of our workshop presenters were from Bakersville, and I it really never occurred to me. So we knew this was an established co-op, and they had a phenomenal stable of artists. So we decided intentionally to try to go after others outside the area. And if there were some that, because they had a limited number in MICA, and we didn't mind pursuing them as well. So we have about 20% from the area. And when I mean area, I'm thinking more within a two-hour range. I believe, correct me, Vicki, most everybody in MICA is like within 10, 15 miles. And we have a couple artists that are in Asheville, but certainly within an hour's range. I have to say, the beginning of your question, Louise, I think we have a really great symbiotic relationship between In Tandem Gallery and Micah Gallery. I don't think there's anybody who comes to our gallery who we don't say, have you been across the street to visit Sylvia and Andy? We do functions together. Yeah, it's very nice. Well, it's lovely, and you feel that. I really felt that on my last trip. So it's really kind of fascinating. And we're seeing changing models within the gallery business industry anyway. So I guess one place to start is, Vicki, how do artists get selected to go into MICA? And is your marketing approach different? How do you support these artists? So Mike has been around for about 13 years, I believe. I joined with them three years ago where it was more of a cooperative gallery. And this past year, we changed our business model a little bit. And rather than calling ourselves a cooperative gallery, we're calling ourselves artist-owned and operated. So we have a lot more consignment artists who are with us. I think we're around 30 or so consignment artists. We do look for only local people. That's something that we just feel comfortable in representing. We know the artists. Some of them are our neighbors. So that's changed with with Micah, for sure. It's kind of interesting for people who have not been to this area, how many artists live and work in this particular area? Let's just say one hour. Let's say, you know, sort of from Spruce Pine into Asheville. When we first moved to Bakersville, the mayor actually came to us and wanted to give us a heads up that we had the most artists per capita than any place in the country. And that really shocked me because I, I just was not aware at all of that. 
And so trying to do an estimate, I would say hundreds. Probably thousands. Yeah. I mean, a huge amount. It really is. And is this, I'm making an assumption here that these are people who maybe came and studied at Penland and stayed, and from that sort of group comes all these other artists who love the atmosphere, love being in the absolutely beautiful mountains. I mean, I've told people that coming to Penland and coming to areas like Burnsville, Bakersville, right into Asheville, it's kind of a life-changing experience. You feel it when you get there. And that continues as you live there. I mean, we have world-famous artists as our neighbors. I mean, our next-door neighbors. For me, it's so inspiring. They can challenge you when you are stuck in something that you're working on. You can ask for advice. And just visiting another studio is so nice to inspire your work. So, Andy, what has your gallery, Micah, and the artists meant in terms of economic growth? I mean, you're on the town council. What does this all mean in terms of money, careers, and future? Well, we were talking earlier. I think demographically now, we're at about 50-50, where 50% of the people have been here for generations and 50% are moving into the area. And being on the council, I honestly think that probably the majority of the ones moving to the area have some kind of art affinity or background. Honestly, Penland wasn't on my mind when we moved to the area. I had no association with it. But I know that three ingredients for the clay body at the university were mined here. I had a glass artist friend from Corning. He would always talk about the silica that came from spruce pine. Just your dry ingredients and the history locally goes back for centuries. I mean, it's it's really deep. So for us, because there's such a high artist community... It's got to be one of the most driving forces for economic development in our area. I mean, we're, we're a small town, 407, but we had four galleries in that town, counting the two of us. So there's no way you'd think that a town like that could support even one, but so far everything seems to be going extremely well and thriving. So it's a number one thing for us. And to piggyback on that, we've noticed that a lot of the folks who used to just be in the area for the nice months of the year or the warm months of the year, a lot more folks are staying around the calendar. Micah Gallery has chosen to extend our hours. We used to close from January through March, and now we're going to stay open two days a week, Fridays and Saturdays. Wow. And what about the actual making? Do you make more, sell more? How is it, for example, you're collected all over the country. Do they know about what's happening in Bakersfield? Or how do they, do they just know you from reputation online? We try very hard to do two things. One is to help artists show themselves and their work. Okay. But the other is, we got a lot of artists, we need more buyers so and collectors. That's part of the equation. So Scott and I reach out through various marketing mechanisms to allow our community of enthusiasts, let's say, from all of the country, we want to direct 
them either to come here or now come visit you in Bakersville, or we encourage them to take a tour, come directly to your door, or we do what you do, Andy, which was be to direct them to our artists on their website through digital and social media means to buy online, and it's 100% goes direct to the artists. So we're trying to build buyers as well as artists. How do you do that? And have you seen your careers or your businesses grow substantially through these branding mechanisms? We have an upcoming thing in March where there's a national ceramic conference. It moves all over the country every year, and it brings six, 7,000 potters into one area. So this one's in Richmond, and we actually applied this past summer, and there's only eight galleries in the country that get accepted. So we're one of those galleries. The branding and marketing just through that is a pretty huge event. So we've done different things like that, interviews in different national magazines, trying to promote artists via different fundraiser, different group organizations. And the more and varied media that you do, the better you have as far as getting the word out there. There's a synergy to it. So if you do it and you see a bump, it gets you psyched to do something more and different and to keep pursuing it. And so that's been a huge benefit for us. And Vicki, when you're contacted to do an exhibit outside of North Carolina or a collector, a curator, how are they finding out about your exceptional work? I can tell you a little story, actually. This past two years ago, no, last year, with my silkworms, I made two pair of overalls. The reason I made them, they were called a pair for Joyce which reflects on Joyce Ladner, who was a civil rights activist in the 60s. And they used to wear overalls to demonstrate how little things have changed since Reformation when slaves wore overalls, so just a way to distinguish between class and race. And I sold a pair of those overalls to a woman that I actually met through Penland Gallery. She was up at the auction and she told me a story. She's, she's African-American. Her last name happened to be Overall. Her parents also worked with Joyce Ladner during the Civil Rights Movement. So it just seems like community builds upon community. And it's those people that you meet, whether at Penland or across the street at In Tandem or another artist, they hear about you. And, and I, I think it's more of those unions that you make those personal one-on-one connections that you make that just build upon itself. Well, now, you've got people helping you, right? I'm thinking in particular, Vicki, about, say, the Tow River Arts Council. How does their role play into your accomplishments as an artist and the exposure? Of course, they're not alone. They're unusual in that most arts councils are one-county-driven. They focus not only your county, which is Yancey, but also the next county over, which is Mitchell. We're Mitchell, and they also focus on Yancey. Mm -hmm. Yes, they do. They do a great job of representing artists. They do a lot of outreach. The art tour is coming up this November 
help me, Andy, 11th, 11th, 12th, and 13th, I believe. Many artists will have open studios. And yeah, I think they do great work at the Tow River Arts Council. And they have the studio tours twice a year. And they have, I mean, as a gallery, it's probably some of our best days of the year because there's so many people that come to visit studios. And there's how many are in the booklet? A hundred and some? Yeah. It varies between the winter and the summer tours. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you about is the Potter's Market. When is that? That was... It's in October, yeah. Two weeks ago, I think. And that, again, brought scads of people all over the place. So we received a lot of visitors either before they went to the Spruce Pine Potter's Market or afterwards. And it was wonderful because it was elbow to elbow there. I mean, I think they even need to have a bigger venue because there's so many people interested in wanting to get in. It's a great show. And isn't another one Fire on the Mountain? Fire on the Mountain is for blacksmiths. That's down in Spruce Pine. And that's a wonderful get-together of blacksmiths if you're looking for. They have demonstrations the whole time, and they market everything from forges to tools to, well, just about everything. It's a pretty overwhelming, and it's educationally based. So it's a lot. Yeah, it's more of a festival-type atmosphere, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I'm getting ready to go your way, actually, this weekend for Halloween, which we did a podcast on in October, right before Halloween. And the whole idea is that it's spread out throughout Mitchell County so that it brings people there as families and it shows you off in a completely new light, fun, but it has a large history component. So what do you do in the Blue Ridge Mountains? You know, you're storytellers, for example. So there'll be storytellers, there'll be some fabulous music. I know what to expect. I did the podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I think what started as arts and crafts has extended out to all kinds of art and history and culture that people are really interested in. I mean, they think they're coming to deliverance, but that is not the case. <laughs> yeah. And so... Tell me a little bit about, well, you've mentioned some of your outstanding neighbors. They are very prominent all over the world, yes? And my hat's off to Gina Phillips for initiating and putting Halloween together. And what a wonderful philanthropic event. Her hope is to have it continue as almost like a fall festival. So it's not a one-day thing. It's a four- or five-day activities all over the area. So that's a huge thing. The week before, Bakersville has an event. Harley Masters put it together. It's called the Mountaineer Festival. There you go. And I we had a ton of you. people show up. And the Mountaineer Festival was fun. And they have an apple butter festival. And they had a rhododendron festival. We have an arts and crafts festival. And we have street dancing twice a year. There are so many different things that happen in our tiny town. Everybody's involved. The bank has a Mater Fest where they give tomato plants, and it's called Mater <laughs> Festival. And they give you free hot dogs and hamburgers, chips, and tomato plants. And all the tellers sit outside and do that. So it's just a wonderful environment. Well, for those of you who think you only want to live in the big city, <laughs> there is life after the big city, and it's right here in western North Carolina. If this doesn't entice you to come here, 
then you're just not listening. So we invite you to come visit. You can learn more about it at Artsville, artsvilleusa.com. If you don't want to visit or can't visit right now, go online and buy from us. We all have a website presence. And we also tell you about these kinds of events in our newsletters that come out monthly, so you can also subscribe and hear about it. Like I said, we only send it out once a month, and you can access our podcast there. You can also access it on all your major podcast channels. So we invite you to do that. I do want to mention before closing our brand new and very exciting virtual gallery of artists. This is something new. I don't know of anybody else who's doing this. But every three months, we are exhibiting the work of nine very carefully selected and very diverse artists, all kinds of mediums, various ages, backgrounds, some are very accomplished and well-known artists, and some are just now coming out of art school, for example. And we are showing them how to show, talk, and tell themselves. So for three months, they will be part of our stable of artists, and they will benefit from what Artsville does. And then after that three months, they'll be invited to stay in our gallery and tell other people about it. And we'll be looking for nine more. So if you'd like to apply, again, it's on our website. That's artsvilleusa.com. You can also hear about it on our social media. And what this does is it expands on our community. Our community is coast-to-coast, subscribers from everywhere and also from foreign countries that love art and want to learn from us about how to see it, show it, tell it, and buy it. So until next month, this is Louise Glickman from ArtsvilleUSA.com, an Artsville collective out of Asheville, North Carolina, and Western North Carolina. Thanks so much for listening in. Thanks for listening to the Artsville podcast. Please make sure to like this episode, write a review, and share it with your friends on social. Also, remember to subscribe so you get all of our new episodes. Artsville is produced by Crew West Studios in Los Angeles in partnership with Sand Hill Artist Collective in Asheville, North Carolina. Our theme music was created by Dan Ubik and his team at Danube Productions. Artsville is edited by We Edit Podcast and hosted by Captivate. Thanks again for listening to Artsville. We'll be back soon with another inspiring episode celebrating American contemporary arts and crafts from Asheville and beyond. Artsville, Artsville, the happening town where art abounds. Artsville. Artsville, from Asheville town where art abounds. Artsville, Artsville, feeling mountain high and inspired in North Carolina. That's where you'll find us, amazing artists and designers.